It is football and other F-words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F-wordspod. We are sponsored by Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville. Been around since the 70s, a part of the award-winning Sinker's Beverage Group. Uh, best liquor store in Nashville, and they're probably going to be the best liquor store again. Award-winning, defending champs, if you will. Head over to Bluegrass Beverages and join their B.O.B. club to make sure that you get all of the inside information on everything that is coming to their store ahead of everybody else. They have some great events coming up, some anniversary events, so make sure that you're signed up with B.O.B. Mike Herndon is not here, but have no fear. It's not just going to be me talking for an hour. I am joined by Michelle Knezovic, who is formerly with 102.5 The Game and was the producer at Robbie and Rex Road, co-host of Chase and Michelle, co-host of Michelle and Judy, and co-host of the short-lived show, The Wildlife Hour with Caroline and Michelle. <laughs> Michelle, how are you doing today? Zach, I am doing great. I'm so happy to be co-hosting with you today. Thank you, Mike, for going on a little vacation during the slow season, but I am so excited to co-host. I'm doing great. I'm in the hot, hot New Orleans. But it's not I'm much better good. up here. It's not much better. It is I walked outside for like five minutes, and that was five minutes too long. I just want to stay inside all weekend. I am air conditioned all the way. Yeah, I cannot imagine what it's like down in where there's probably more humidity down in New Orleans, right? Oh, oh. I mean, this hair was curled. I walked outside. <laughs> the glass is fogged. I, I, it, it's a lot. It is a, it is a you have to be a, a different type of tough mental toughness down here. So um, I will be inside. And then in the pool and no real in between. <laughs> I like it. That That is the way to spend any kind of hot weather. Just mm -hmm. chilling out in a pool by the water. That's the only way I really ever want to go outside for sure. 100%. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll be getting used to it. And I'm hoping that if I attend any of the Saints training camp, there are some indoor options. Because Well, speaking of that, <laughs> you, you are you started a new journey, a new endeavor. Tell everybody what you're doing now down in New Orleans. Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, I was a producer and a host at 1025. The game was there for about two years. And if you know me and you meet me. One thing about me is I can't really stay put in one place for uh, a long period of time. I've been in New York, Kentucky, Nashville, Indianapolis, really all over the place. So I felt as though it was time for me to go on another adventure and kind of spread my wings in the sports media industry. And, and down here uh, in New Orleans, I can't say too much yet, but um, have definitely kind of uh, expanded my network and I'm going to be in um, covering some college football, some NFL. Um, and of course, you know, the Titans are going to be down here week one. So one, uh, open the Saints, <laughs> open the Saints. So I will be very familiar, obviously, with that matchup coming here week one, but kind of going to have my, my hands in a little bit of everything down here. Uh, nothing set in stone yet, but of course I'll, I'll keep everybody updated on all the socials. Well, I think the real question on everybody's mind, Michelle, and there's a lot that's going on, but the real question is Jared versus Joe. But if it was Jared versus Michelle, Ooh. could you win? Could you like how, how what's the win streak you think you could get before Ooh. he won? Well, here's the thing. When Caroline judges, she can't give it. She couldn't. If it was a, a Jared versus Michelle, she wouldn't be able to give it to Jared every time or to me every time. I think it would be a healthy balance just for for the sake of the argument, for the sake of the audience, make it a little eventful here and there. But here's my thing. I love Joe Rexroad. He is like, you know, the cool uncle. Love Joe. He gets too heated. He allows him yes. to get under his skin. I'm he like, does. Joe, take it back a notch. Like you can't let him affect you because then he's going to capitalize off that. And he's just going to keep it rolling. Jared went to Louisville and I went to Kentucky. So I am sure that we could have a Jared versus Michelle. And I mean, Louisville athletics aren't doing much lately. So, <laughs> well, I, I have to say, like, I, I try to tune in every, every chance I get to all the shows on one or two, five, but specifically I, I try to make an appointment viewing to watch Jared versus Joe. Yes. There's so many times where Joe gets so flustered <laughs> and so mad at the stuff that comes out of Jared's mouth that he just totally, it derails everything that Joe was trying to do. It's, mm -hmm. it's really ingenious on Jared's part. It's like a good strategy. If you can rattle Joe, you're good to go. 
Oh, 100%. And I mean, listen, Joe Rexrode, one of the best in the game writers, very knowledgeable. But if Jared has this absolutely bizarre take that nobody even is going to give it the time of day, Joe will just get so mad about it. And I'm like, Joe, the strategy needs to be just laugh it off. It's okay. In one ear, out the other, everything is fine. Because then he just gets a little too frazzled. So uh, the the great Floyd Reese, I listened to, I wasn't at the station when he was there, but I, I've of course gone back and listened to a bit of their show. And that's what he would do. He would just chuckle them off. That's, that's yeah. what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Uh, well, things that you can't chuckle off is uh, the chucklehead that is NPF who got busted in uh, the latest NFL round of investigating into violations of the gambling policy. Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, who, of course, is the starting right tackle of the Tennessee Titans. And I was so excited, Michelle. Like, the, my running theme for every offseason has been, why can't the Titans get the offensive line set by, by you know, OTAs and minicamp? And for because the last two or three years, they've just been rotating people in and out, just playing around with different things. They got a new coach. They finally get the the whole offensive line set from left to right. It it sound they're gelling, mm -hmm. and then he gets busted, which you can kind of tell if you go back and look at. Um, I believe he's talking to Gentry Estes of the Tennessean. Uh, he wow. basically said he was talking about the gambling thing, and I was kind of like that was June fifth. So you kind of think that he knew that June fifth he was going to get busted for whatever. I get, I fall on the side of, I understand that it seems like a silly rule on its face that you shouldn't bet on any sport, but specifically, obviously betting on the NFL is not okay at all. Mm -hmm. Betting at the facility on non-NFL non sports seems silly on its face. By liking it to like something like jaywalking or no smoking signs, like, Jaywalking is is a little silly if you get pulled over and you get a ticket, right? Like if the cop sure. spots you, you get a ticket. It's silly, but it's a rule that you know, and it's a but it's a rule that's also kind of there to you know save you from getting hit or something like that. And you know, there's no smoking signs that are like inside a building, but you can step right outside of a building. You know, mm -hmm. you could do this right on the sidewalk of a of a the premises. You can't do it inside the premises. It's it's silly little rules. But it's a really easy rule, absurdly easy rule to follow. So what was your initial reaction when you saw his comments, when you've seen the comments from June 5th, the, his statement he put out, seen the suspension? Like, what is going through your head when all this is going on? Well, first off, as soon as I saw this, I sent this to you on Twitter because yes. I was like, we need to address this. <laughs> and I've been pretty vocal about all of this um, you know, all of the sports betting issues happening in the NFL, you know, starting with the Calvin Ridley situation where he got suspended for a year and now all of kind of these players that are also getting busted for the gambling. First off, Nicholas Petit Frere's comments. You are a smart guy. Anytime you talk to him, he is a very intelligent young man. He went to Ohio State. That was the first thing I noticed about him when I met him at training camp last year and he was speaking to the media. Very, very intelligent. Do not tell me you didn't know the rules. Let's not be ignorant to the fact that you knew it was wrong. I, I, I think one of my biggest points of emphasis is somebody coming out and being like, well, I, I didn't know I was breaking the rules. Okay, first off, the Calvin Ridley situation, yes, I understand it was different. He was betting on NFL games. He got suspended for a year. When that happens then, you know, that sends off like a red flag in any NFL organization. Of course, they're going to go over the rules. Mike Vrabel even spoke to the media a couple weeks ago when the Colts player um, got busted for gambling, the Lions players earlier this year, and said, yes, we kind of readdressed it. This situation might have happened, you know, prior to that. Of course, you know, the main, the main sports seasons were before this summer, but – I just think it's so stupid that you can't follow the, you're an NFL player. First off, you're not going to win more money than you already have on your contract. So, I mean, maybe, but the likelihood of that happening is very, very slim. Don't tell me you didn't know the rules because you, you clearly were just 
either ignorant to the fact that, you know, you weren't paying attention. Somebody definitely told you this is a serious allegation. And now you're putting the team in a really tough position where they essentially rehauled the entire the entire offensive line for the Titans. You're the you're one of the only guys coming back at your specific position. Aaron Brewer's moving to center. You're one of the only guys coming back. I understand it's only your second year, but now who's going to be your right tackle? Right. Like it, it's it's you've left them in a lurch. I, there's a lot I want to unpack there because there's a lot I agree with you with. I, I want to talk about him being a smart guy. And he even says, he told Gentry Estes, uh, again, I believe that's who it was, so hopefully I'm not miscrediting. But he said that he was asking all kinds of questions. He was, he said he was asking questions about fantasy football and all this stuff. So you're telling me this guy who was asking about fantasy football didn't ask, so where can we place the bets? Because it's not a really, like, it's not one of those rules that is covered in legal jargon when it's presented sure. in these classes, right? Because he said he was at, a seminar or summit or something, it's going to say no betting of any kind on the facility. It may be worded a little bit differently, but it's essentially a one sentence bullet. It's clear. It's clear. So he knew like he may not have been paying attention. Maybe he was talking or he was on his phone or something, but I I think it's utterly ridiculous. I'll, I'll, I'll throw a little story. It's a little long, not too long, but I'll try not to make it too long. So my parents live in a neighborhood in Thompson station, about 30 minutes South for those that don't know of Nashville. And they're having their own teenagers in their house, vandalize prop stuff in their neighborhood, like walking trails, like four mile walking trails. They're vandalizing trash in it. And the parents have said, listen, Teenagers will be teenagers. Just put, just uh, take the money out of the HOA for repairs instead of forcing their kids to do it. So, like the kids are just like the 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 parents are shifting the blame to oh, it's just teenager stuff. And I feel like he's shifting the blame, going off and saying, oh well, I wasn't educated, I didn't know. I find that hard to believe because, like you said, Calvin Ridley was suspended for placing bets on his own team from home, injured. He wasn't even at the facility. Mm -hmm. And you're right. When something like that happens, red flags are sent out. You get memos from the commissioner, from the league. You get memos from the NFLPA when something like that happens to reiterate and re-educate, right? So to me, it's like, He's not wanting to take real responsibility. He's trying to shift it, and it's an easy shift of blame because sure. everybody hates the NFL, right? But really, the blame would be shifted to the NFLPA because to me, if you're doing a list of blaming, the NFL is like dead last. They set the rules. It's up to you to follow and understand the rules. Like your agent needs to educate you. Your team needs to educate you. Your NFLPA needs to educate you, or you need to educate yourself before it even gets to the NFL. Like, I think it's wild that he is kind of, it's been kind of a mixed reaction, but I feel like he's sort of getting off of it. I feel like media so far is holding him accountable locally, but I don't know if he's holding himself accountable. I like what you just said there, Zach, in the last thing. You know, you can be educated by, you know, your coaches at different, you know, rookie events, which they have all of these. I, I think that's really important to highlight here. When you get drafted by a team, you go through this entire rookie program. You're there before the veteran players, you know, where it's not just football stuff. It's not just, you know, getting familiar with your playbook. It is quite literally immersing them in what the NFL is, making sure that they know the rules, you know, going through do's and don'ts, cans and can nots. And at the end of the day, I could bet probably my left arm that they went over this rule multiple times, whether it be last year, whether it be, you know, when the Calvin Ridley, well, actually he wasn't on the team then, but you know, when the, the Lions players came out um, just a couple months ago that, that they had a gambling issue and they got suspended. I can imagine Mike Vrabel and his staff, you know, alerted the team again. Okay, guys, let's go over the rules. Let's discuss this. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. But at the end of the day, you are a professional athlete. You're a grown man. And it is your responsibility to know what you can and what you can't do at work. When you accept a job, Zach, or when I accept a job, you know, 
you sign a code of conduct, you sign a list of here's what you can do. You know, a lot of people in the media world, especially TV and radio will sign a non-compete, which essentially means, you know, you can't work for, you know, a different radio station in the same market, right? Those are rules that you are required to then know. It's a, it's a responsibility. And for him to sit there and say, I didn't know I was breaking the rules is baffling to me. Yes, you did. You did yeah. know. It's, it's gambling. I mean, it's probably one of the biggest things they highlight when they talk about, you know, what you can and what you can't do. And, and one of the things that I think is just bizarre is that NFL employees, they are not allowed to bet on anything. Nope. Anything. You can't bet on soccer. You can't bet on college football, college basketball, whatever. But yet NFL players they only can't bet on the NFL and they can bet on college basketball, college, just make it across the board. You can't bet on anything. Yeah, I, mean, we, I don't understand that. It's crazy because we share a pot. Uh, so our podcast is on a network for 40 sports and there's music yes. city audible as well. And there's Titans film room, uh, Titans film rooms, Justin Graver. He worked at around the NFL. So he worked on the around the NFL podcast. He worked at NFL network. And before he joined up with them, he couldn't bet on – he was betting on everything. We were sharing parlays. We had a gambling chat. We were going crazy, making bets and everything. Oh, under. And then he joins with them, joins up with them, and uh, he goes, I can't bet. I can't bet on anything, which is funny to me. To me, that's like the bigger crime of this all because everybody's like, well, the NFL's profiting off of this and that. Well, none of their employees can enjoy that, no. that, that right there. But – the thing is, is that the players are benefiting off of it too. The the licensing and naming rights, the commercials, the ad revenue, all involved in this is part of the revenue sharing model in the CBA that was negotiated by the NFLPA. And that is why you haven't heard the NFLPA come out at all. The NFLPA will come out if a player sneezes, will come out and say, we need to investigate CTE. The NFL is not doing enough. They are dead silent on this betting issue. I have not seen one thing from the NFLPA trying to dispute it. We haven't seen one appeal. Uh, I don't even think Calvin Ridley appealed, if I'm not mistaken. So to me, it is right there in neon signs that they were educated. But also, think of all the other players. We're talking about 10 players since Calvin Ridley got suspended last season. So 10 players have gotten suspended. That's I, I did the math. I'm a big math nerd. Love it. There's over 3,100 players in the NFL that fall under the legal purview of the NFL policy, so the CBA and all that. We're talking free agents because there was a free agent that got suspended. Free agents. We're talking about active players, practice squad players, players that you know are on the 90-man roster. Every season, there's about 3,100 players. Only 10 have been suspended since this has come through. So that means that 99.677% of the league is educated and only 0.323% is apparently not educated. So you got to tell me if no other Titans player got, you know, they all have FanDuel on their phone or whatever, sure. DraftKings or whatever. No other players can suspend it. And I can guarantee you that while six games seems extreme, it's because the NFL does not want anybody gambling. A year may seem extreme, but the NFL does not want anybody gambling. And so they're going to make it extreme. And all these players around the league are looking at this saying, I am not betting. Like, that is what they're saying. These are the guys that are being made the example of. And it's ridiculous that one of them has to be Nicholas Petit Ferrer. Well, and so you you brought up a point, right? The six-game suspension, I mean, in an NFL season, you play 17 games. That's a good portion, right? The one-year suspension, that's obviously a good portion of time. We see a lot of other things happen, whether it be with players off the field, on the field. You know, bring up the Deshaun Watson situation. Horrific, absolutely mm -hmm. horrific situation. Gets an 11-game suspension. And then, you know. Not he, enough, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. But I just want to put it in perspective for some people. Right. So so that happens. So in the in the rules, right, that that NFL players have to sign nowhere in it does it say probably specifically exactly what Deshaun Watson did. It, it's I'm sure just kind of an overarching, you know, you need to abide by these rules. Um, 
no sexual harassment, things like that. But nowhere does it say specifically about massages and everything that he did. So from the NFL's perspective, they can kind of be like, well, it falls under this category. And then it's our job to decide how severe it is. Um, You can talk about that situation. You can talk about a lot of domestic abuse situations that we've seen around the NFL. And then for them, it kind of falls into this category of, well, well, it's not really football related. And we're going to kind of just decide what we think is the suspension, oftentimes not enough, like you mentioned. Whereas the gambling aspect of things, they have in bright red letters that you can't do it. And if you do it on an NFL game, you're getting suspended a year. And if you do it on an NFL facility, plane, train, bus, automobile, in a facility, uh, you're probably going to get suspended six games. So, you know, when you look at the way the NFL handles things, it, it really is kind of mind blowing. But it's very, very clear that gambling is taken extremely serious and that they're going to give you this suspension if you even bet on something else in the wrong place. So, you know, the fact that we have seen that, the fact that we have seen the NFL not allow these things to get swept under the rug, like some other things that shouldn't be swept under the the rug, they take gambling very, very seriously and they're going to give you the suspension. So when a coach knows that, when GMs know that, when owners know that, they are going to nail it into their players' heads that this is what you can do, this is what you can't do, because if it starts to affect the product on the field and it starts to affect your team winning and losing, that's when it becomes a problem for the coaches and the GMs and the owners. Right, and I also look at it this way. I I hate this is how the NFL does it, but there's no legal red tape they have to wait for, right? There's no grand jury indictments there's no case hearings there's no will the case get dropped will it not get dropped they have the g they have it with these gambling places in black and white mm-hmm. geolocation they have you they have your ip addresses it's they have your, your location it's all on your phone and like it's it's they got you they got you dead to rights with all this other legal stuff which i don't think there's some cases like the deshaun watson that you shouldn't have to really I think you could put it all together, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's so we this could take us down a different road. So I, I, (laughs) you know, it's so hard, and I try to put this inside everybody's head when the Deshaun Watson thing happened. Is so hard to to try a sexual assault case. It's ridiculous how hard it is. And it's ridiculous that women are not well represented in that regard and not given more. The, the burden of proof for the victims that the victims have to provide is a really, really high standard. Specifically in Texas, it's really high. Sure. And so that's why you don't see cases like this ever go to a criminal trial. It's really, really hard for those to go to criminal trial. But when you have like 60 plus women that come out and say something, I, I feel like that's something that the NFL should be like, well, it's 60 plus people, but you know. 11 games we'll do it a little bit more you know for Deshaun but I don't know like but that's a whole different issue and this issue is just so black and white it it is it really is it's black and white and that's why you know it it, it shouldn't be a I didn't know you are an NFL player you you aren't allowed to be ignorant to the fact of what you can and what you can't do And I mean, it's like if somebody's speeding and they get pulled over and they look at the cop and they say, well, I didn't know. And he says, well, there's a 70 miles per hour speed limit sign about a mile and a half back. And there's one about a half a mile ahead of you. I mean, yeah, you can't say you didn't know. And I think that, you know, that in this whole situation with Nicholas Petit Frere and the Tennessee Titans You know, it's frustrating when you hear him come out and say that because you get it. You messed up. People in the world mess up. You make a mistake. Own it. Own Own your mistake. Say, I did dumb shit to hurt the team, which is what Mike Vrabel says. Don't do dumb shit to hurt the team. And you did. Own it. And it's one of the dumbest shit things you can do, right? (laughs) Like, it's it's, it's just mind-blowing to me that someone like NPF who – the first night that he spoke, everybody's like, man, this guy's this guy's smart. Like you can hear it in the the words that he uses, the vocabulary that he has. Uh, you're just like, man, this guy's really smart. And he does one of the dumbest things. And I understand 
look, he probably could have done it on a bus or in the hotel bathroom. You know, sure. like I get it. It, it's he's probably not doing in the locker room. We don't know. I don't think it's ever been confirmed where he's doing it, but mm-hmm. I get that it could be a mistake, but I'm with you. Just own it. Like don't put the blame or shift the blame on everybody else because that that's probably not going to be really great with Mike Vrabel either, who is going to is probably like, and we'll get into it is scrambling to figure out right now. They probably have all their offensive lineman pitchers on the board and they're playing like, you know, should we move Aaron Brewer to left guard and put Corey Levin at center? Or should we sure. move Peter Skronsky out to the left tackle? Or should we put Andre Dillard at left tackle and Skronsky at right tackle because of his short arms? Like, they're 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 scrambling right now. I mean, luckily they have time. But this is the toughest six games of their schedule, Michelle. Yep. It is. They, they, they have defenses that are going to get at you because they know that the right tackle is not going to be a second-year pro. And it could be someone that's going to be worse. And I know a lot of people want to crap on NPF, but if you really go back and think about it, people were really impressed with NPF for like the first yeah. seven or eight weeks. And then he hit a rookie wall like rookies do. And the problem was Tennessee Titans couldn't provide him help on his side because they had Dennis Daly, a walking turnstile on the other one. So all the tight end help was going to the left side. So he's alone out on an island, which makes him look a lot worse than what he actually was. He didn't allow a sack through the first eight games. He only allowed five sacks on the year. That's a huge loss for the Tennessee Titans. And it's a huge loss, but it also also only makes probably a one-game difference for that first six weeks. But it's still putting your team in a bind. Do you think the Tennessee Titans will sign anybody? Because I've kind of talked myself into thinking, I don't know if they're going to sign George Fant or a big name that's left out there. Cause I feel like next man up is what's been drilled in our heads. And I don't think I can get that out of my head. No, I, I, I agree, Zach. And I wanted to add one more thing to, you know, how, how much of a loss this really is. I think you pointed out, you know, what Nicholas Petit Frere and his rookie year did. And it's really easy to look maybe towards the second half of the season and see the rookie wall and some of the mistakes he made, but Let's remember, he was not the starting right tackle at the beginning of training camp last year or OTAs. You know, everybody was like, is Dylan Raiden's going to be the right tackle? Who's going to be the right tackle? And Nicholas Petit-Frere, as the rookie, is able to work and become that that starting right tackle for this team and and had, a, I think, a good, efficient first half of the season. Hits the rookie wall and then has some issues. But What's the most important thing about your offensive line? It's gelling together and getting the most reps together. And that was one of the biggest problems last year for this team, right? Taylor Lewan gets hurt. Ben Jones is in and out of the lineup, right? You were switching so many different pieces around and you weren't able to create any stability at the offensive line, which created a lot of mishaps and a lot of, you know, sacks taken by Ryan Tannehill or Malik Willis, or whoever was the quarterback back there at that time. So when you talk about signing another guy, there is one name out there that I thought that they might sign, you know, in the offseason. It's Roger Saffold, a guy who is familiar with this situation. I know he's not a tackle, but signing him for some some guard help and then moving, maybe it be a Brunskill because he knows how to play all the positions. Maybe it be um, a Peter Skoronsky. Um, He's played tackle before, but he's actually been a name that I kind of thought of. He was with the Bills last year. And I don't know if he's, you know, towards retirement, but he was still was playing at a high level last year and the year before when he was in this system. I think that you could get him probably for, you know, a one or two year deal for, you know, not too expensive. You do have some cap cap room. You have some ability to manipulate it a tad, but he was kind of the only name I thought um, other than that next man up. You talked about Corey Levin. They got Jamarco Jones as well and kind of moving some pieces around. But as far as getting somebody who's just completely unfamiliar with this system or or really off the street, I don't know right now, maybe if we get, maybe if in training camp, somebody gets released on a, on a team, you know, around the NFL, but Roger Saffold was just kind of a name that I thought of Um, a guy who just knows he's one of the best run blockers in the league and a guy who could come in and you know that he'd be playing at a high level. Yeah, and not to mention, we talk about NPF and, you know, that we were talking about chemistry, but we also, he played, he started and played in 16 games last year. Mm-hmm. That is, that is, um, 
abnormal for Tennessee Titans players for the last two years. And that's something that you could, you could really lean on that. At least he's going to be out there. You're not going to switch him around, you know, and that to me is the big thing. I think if I'm looking at this team, I'm sticking with Aaron Brewer at center and I'm sticking with the whole entire, the left side, left side of the line as it is. Cause if you start switching out too many of those guys, it's going to be a little much. You know, you can toy around with Brunskill being at the right side and on the right tackle, and then you could put maybe Corey Levin, you could put Jordan Ruse, maybe Jay. I've always thought that maybe Jalen Duncan could find a spot on as a guard. He can also compete for the right tackle spot, and the same with Jamarco Jones, right? Like, I think you just need to let those guys, you need to figure out what your 1A plan is. Do that in training camp for a week and see what that looks like. And if you're comfortable with it, roll with it for the rest of training camp. Because at the end of the day, the way that Charles London talked about this offensive system at the NFL quarterback summit last week, the way that Tim Kelly and the players have all described this system, I think with Mike Vrabel as your head coach, with a new offensive system that leans on being quick, leans on being explosive off the line, can can handle six games without NPF, but they can't handle a full season without NPF. Like it's a, I think they can handle the first six games. Like if you're, if you're a guy, a person that thought like, I think the team's going to be three and three. Well, then now you probably think they're two and four. If you thought sure. they were four and two, you probably think they're three and three. Like to me, he's a, he's maybe going to account for one game. Now, if whoever's on the right side gets Ryan Tannehill injured, like Dennis Daly did, that costs you a lot more. Sure. But at the end of the day, I feel like the Tennessee Titans are not going to go out in free agency and sign someone big. And the the big name that everybody has circled and everybody wants in the media and fans is George Fant. And maybe I'm wrong. It just doesn't feel like it just doesn't feel like. George, it just doesn't feel like a variable thing to do to bring in a veteran unless he sees something in training camp he doesn't like, and then he's going to sign that that veteran. Yeah, sure. And I think I think one of the biggest things too is even in OTAs and in mini camp, you know, we saw some offensive line play, but no pads on. I mean, you really can't take much from what we saw in OTAs and mini camp uh, and and make a sweeping judgment about what this offensive line will look right. like. I think a lot of it will come down to training camp. And like you said, Zach, I mean, bugging and playing different guys. And I think that that's one thing that we saw this team do. A lot of the guys that they have on their line are versatile. We talked about drafting Peter Skaronsky. Everybody says he's got the short arm, so he can't be a tackle. Well, he's played tackle before. So, you know, this is the time to figure out, can he play a tackle? Well, we, we need somebody at right tackle. So let's maybe try to switch him over and see what he can do. Or a guy like Brunskill they got from the 49ers. I mean, he has been a guy who traditionally has been able to be versatile in different positions. I think Dillard, you want to keep him, obviously, at that left tackle position. But he was a backup with the Eagles. Behind, I will say, though, one of the best offensive lines in the league with one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. And and I think right now, too, to your point, are they going to go out and sign somebody right now? I don't think so. I mean, I think... This is going to very much be a, okay, let's get to training camp and see what these guys can do. Mm-hmm. See if we can move, like you said, a Peter Skaronsky out or, you know, add 11 in um, and, and move it around a couple different ways. But I will, you know, harp on this. We talk so much about they made all these changes to the offensive line in the offseason. But if you were to compare this offensive line to the Tennessee Titans offensive line at this time last year, I'm still taking last year's offensive line. Because I want everybody to remember the offensive line heading into training camp versus the offensive line week uh, 17 or week 18 last year. Very, very different. Right. Right. You had Taylor Lewan. You had Ben Jones, Nate Davis. There was no Dennis Daly or anything in there. You had Nicholas Petit Frere. You felt somewhat confident about the players that you had in those positions. I mean, three of them very familiar with this system, spent a lot of time. In Nate Davis, Lawan, and Ben Jones. You look at this offensive line compared to week 18 last year, different story. I'll still take, I'll take this one that they have heading into training camp. But I think so often people are like, they fixed the offensive line. They fixed the offensive line, Zach. They fixed it. Yes, they fixed it. 
Well, did they? Because we have no idea what this offensive line is going to look like. I, I, I'll say it again. The most important thing about offensive line is that you play together, that you have reps together and you learn how to mesh with each other. And if this guy's not doing his job, it's going to make your job a whole lot harder. And you have a lot of question marks on these guys right now. And now taking Nicholas Petit Frere out of it, a guy who you thought, you know, you kind of knew what you had from him just based off of his performance last year, hoping he takes another step. I can't say I feel too confident on it, you know, heading into training camp. Yeah, it will be. That's going to be now the big storyline, right? Is sure. what is who's going to be a right tackle? Who's going to be a right guard? That's going to be all the tweets. You're going to see about 15 tweets when they roll out there with first team and they're going to put the offensive line out there. And it's going to be something that everybody's going to be taking notice of because now what was a pretty boring off season for the most part. I mean, like there's no, you know, no real controversy outside of Kevin Byard and now, now yeah. NPF. It's like now we have something to talk about. And that's it's going to be real interesting to see what Coach Haas, what Mike Vrabel, Tim Kelly, all these guys, because there's like there's what 15 offensive coaches, it feels like on this team, what they all decide is the best strategy. Cause I, I'd be, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for the debates and the discussions mm -hmm. surrounding this one position, because what the Titans have kind of done is, is build a roster that can sort of compete, not for Super Bowl, but compete every week. Sure. But they didn't have a lot of depth and it's not due to injury right now. Now it's due to a suspension, and now they for sure have six games of no depth at one of their weakest positions. It's just, it's going to be interesting to see what the discussion is in these coaching rooms and what the game plan is because they have a couple of weeks to decide these are our starting five at least day one of week one of training camp. Well, and what was the biggest question last year during training camp? Who's going to play oh, right tackle? Right. <laughs> I mean, is this not deja vu? I mean, last year it was, is it going to be Dylan Radens? Who's this Nicholas Petit Frere kid from Ohio State? Who's right tackle, Mike Vrabel, every single week at the press conference? Who's right tackle? Have you named a starter at right tackle? Well, welcome to these questions, part two of training camp this year. Yeah, yeah for sure. But speaking of questions of training camp and stuff like that, Will Levis Big hot topic for much of the NFL draft season. Uh, I am a, you are a Kentucky grad. You are, known, yeah, I am. you are a known Will Levis supporter. I am a Will Levis detractor. Very known. <laughs> now, I will say this is that I do like everything that I, that has come out about him since being drafted. The Joe Rexford piece sticks out in my mind yes. first and foremost, but everything that I've read about Will Levis, the person. Will Levis, the leader, mm -hmm. Will Levis, the, um, I guess, entrepreneur, because he's kind of big into business and sponsorships and all that. Mm -hmm. I, I really like the teammate. I like Will Levis, the quarterback. I, I'm still not sold on. Now, it has nothing to do with his performances at OTAs or mini camp or anything like that, because he is a rookie. But I, I have to say that when I watch 2021 film and 2022 film, I see the same quarterback, just different surroundings. And I, I understand that there are people smarter than me who break down the game that see something different. But I just have a hard time. I have a hard time seeing Will Levis be quarterback of the future. So I want to give you full uninterrupted. I'm not going to interrupt, which is very rare on this show. <laughs> that I do not interrupt. Full uninterrupted. I'm not even going to laugh or anything. I sell me on Will Levis, the Tennessee Titans quarterback of the future. Okay. Okay. I like this. I like, I got the floor. Thank you, Mike Herndon for going on vacation. I got the floor right now. So I, I think something that I kind of want to get out there first, because obviously everybody in the, in the Tennessee market knows me as Miss Kentucky. Miss, she went to university of Kentucky. So she, she must like Will Levis. He's her, he's her quarterback. I think something that I have tried to get across to Titans fans, to football fans, is that you cannot be 100% sure this guy is going to ruin your, ruin your franchise when he's drafted on draft night. I think that that is one of my biggest keys in this whole Will Levis discussion is that people talk in absolute 
you know, when watching his college film and, you know, the TikToks or whatever, however you, however you view him, we don't know. And I think that is one of the biggest things that I just wanted to get across quick before I go into, you know, Will Levis, the football player, because how many times have we seen a Baker Mayfield and, you know, or, or a Mitch Trubisky go high in the draft and then it's Patrick Mahomes who went 12th, right? I mean, or Tom Brady is, is the best story out of all of them, sixth round. You truly never know. And it's and it's never just one thing that's going to make you, you know, a stud quarterback. It's going to be everything. And, and then that goes down to the team that you're drafted to. I think when it comes to Will Levis as the football player, I compare him a lot to a Ryan Tannehill, to be honest. People looked at him during the draft and they had a lot of question marks on, okay, does he make the best decisions? Not all the time. You mentioned his 2021 film compared to his 2022 film. And you said, I really did see the same guy. And I say, okay, well, look at the situation in 2021. He had a really solid offensive line with three guys who are now on NFL teams, you know, playing offensive line in the, in the NFL. He had a Wandale Robinson at wide receiver, who's now an NFL wide receiver with the New York Giants. He had a Chris Rodriguez, who was a stud running back. They had a solid defense. And Will Levis performed well. He had good protection. He had a good run game. He had an electric wide receiver that could make plays for him out, out there. Okay, now let's look at 2022. He had a fully new offensive line that was one of the worst in the SEC. He had his stud running back suspended for a good portion of the season for off the field issues. So you have no run game and you have two freshman wide receivers, promising wide receivers, but very, very young. Okay. Now, but still solid defense, still solid defense. Now let's compare that to the Tennessee Titans and how eerily similar they are. 2021, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, um, you know, you have have a solid offensive line for him. You have a good defense. Obviously, Derrick ends up getting hurt, but you're able to get Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard to be able to keep up the same production that Derrick had in, in the first part of the season up until he got hurt. Ryan Tannehill performed well, but we all know what happened in the Cincinnati game. He threw three picks. He is a good quarterback when he has things that are great around him when he has an electric wide receiver, when he has a solid offensive line, a solid defense. And I'll go back to 2019, 2020. He still had a lot of those same pieces on and probably one of the best offensive line pit plays in 2019 and 2020. Okay, now let's go. Let's go next year. Awful, awful offensive line. He ends up getting hurt. You know, he has no elite wide receivers to throw to. And you saw, yes, you saw how much better he was than a Malik Willis, but he struggled. And I know everybody's going to say, well, we drafted, a, we moved up in the second round to get a guy who's going to be like a Ryan Tannehill. First off, we don't know the type of quarterback Will Levis is going to be. But comparing their two plays, looking at both of the teams, they're very similar offenses. They're a very defense first team, a run first offense. But Ryan Tannehill is a very good quarterback, or he's a, he's a good quarterback in the NFL. It could be a lot worse. It could be a lot better. But right now, I put him as a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. He has won you a lot of games as a Tennessee Titan fan. And who knows the next time you are going to have quarterback play as good as Ryan Tannehill. And you can all say, well, he's not good. He's washed, whatever. No, he, he is a good quarterback. And to be able to find a guy like that, your team's going to have success. You're not always going to get a Burrow or a Patrick Mahomes. So I think that that's my take on Will Levis is that I think he is. I think he can be a good quarterback. I do. I think he's got the arm. I think he's got the athletic ability. I think he needs to work on the decision making. I think he's a really tough guy like we saw from Ryan Tannehill. And I, I draw a lot of comparisons actually between the two. And I know everybody's like, oh, he's going to be a Josh Allen. It's like, OK, let's simmer down for a second. Simmer down. But I think that that is my take on him. And it's more so an optimistic view of him, not saying that he's going to be the next Josh Allen, but at the same time, also not saying he's going to be a Carson Wentz and be a complete failure. I, I will say this. If, if he fails, it will just be because he just, he's just not accurate and he's turnover prone. 
that's the only reason. It won't be because he's lazy. It won't be because he's dumb. It won't be because he's a jerk or an idiot or anything like that. He's it's it's only going to be because of the actual game of football. Like and that is sort of comforting to know because he is such a hard worker. He is. See, that's what's kind of made me like mellow out on my. I'm not giving him a chance. You know, I'm not you know, when he got drafted, I put up a Kentucky flag up here because I felt like I needed to eat all the words. Now, I was (laughs) right that he wasn't going in the first round. I was like, I was the one that he built his head. I don't oh, think he's going wow. to the first round. And, that was probably one of the biggest surprises, though, I will yeah. say. Yeah, but I had a Kentucky flag. I ate my words, but everything that I've read, I'm like, okay, at least they got a guy that is driven, yes. smart, and is not going to make the same mistake twice. Like, to me, that is important. And I want to talk about Malik Willis, but we have some more Titans-breaking news, Michelle. Oh, so gosh. this is from it's not good. So this is from Scoop Nashville. Tennessee Titans running back Hassan Haskins and girlfriend jailed in domestic violence exchange. He reportedly strangled her after she liked another man's Instagram photo, and then he brandished a handgun after she ripped a chain from his neck. So Hassan Haskins has been. Uh, is in jail whenever this uh, came out, which just came out 4.30 p.m. today. So, wow. (laughs) I had no idea what you were about to say. Okay, well, first off, that is horrifying what you just read. That is Um, crazy. And if people aren't, Hassan Haskins is the running back that they drafted last year. Um, He was the their third running back behind Henry and of course, Dontrell Hilliard, son Haskins, a guy who, who we've talked about at least on the radio station as, you know, eventually Derek Henry's replacement, just as far, I mean, not replacement, but as far as, you know, uh, a high volume back, not so much, you know, a dynamic threat like a Tajay Spears in the throwing in the passing game and things like that. I mean, first off, that's absolutely horrific. Um, to hear that, you know, you were just talking about Will Levis and, and character and 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 some of those things. And that's so important to mention, you know, when you have players who you invest a lot in, the character aspect of it is so incredibly important. And this is not good. I mean, this no. is this is not a good situation. And this seems very cut worthy. Oh, I 100% agree. I I mean, obviously, more has to go into the investigation because, I mean, this is obviously probably, and I haven't read the whole article, probably he said, she said, but apparently she grabbed the uh, knife to go slash his tires and then he cocked his gun that he already had in his hand and said, I hope you would. Like, this is, this is a little, little extreme and very much needs I think there needs to be some kind of resolution and I I think you have to cut them at this point. If this is all true, because this again, this is from Scoop Nashville. I haven't read a police report or anything. Yeah, the mugshots are on here that long. Yeah, the mugshots are on here. If they if if all of this is true, he has to be cut. And you're talking about a guy that the that Mike Vrabel spoke very high of for special teams purposes. And this is an insane last two days for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, just an insanely last uh, two days. Well, I mean, first off, horrific, horrific situation. Um, Awful. I was just reading it myself here looking at the mugshots. I mean, I'm 100% on the same page, Zach. You have to cut a person like this. I mean, that is not something that is, first off, a a light situation, like a, a... I'm almost like frazzled. Like, I don't even know what to say. Right. I mean, in a situation like this, if you're Mike Grable, you say, we don't want any part of him being a part of our organization. We don't want any part of him being, you know, on our team. Of course, you know, they'll get into the, you know, maybe innocent until proven guilty. Right. There's obviously going to be, especially since they're in jail right now, there's going to be legal action taken um, regarding this entire situation. But, you know, if I'm Mike Grable, if I'm Rand Carthon, you know, you see something like that and you and you say, you know, no, we don't want any any part of this being a part of our team. 
I mean, if you're Amy Adams Shrunk as a woman owner in the NFL, you see something like that. And, you know, uh, Rashad Weaver, you know, had a situation like that and is still kind of going through some legal things. Um, I don't think to the magnitude of this, I'm not exactly sure his entire situation. You know, Jeffrey Simmons, I'll bring it up before he got drafted. You know, people were hesitant um, for him. He has obviously proven that he's changed his actions and he's become the man and the player that he is for this organization and has been very vocal to say, you know, I'm very fortunate that a woman owner still was able to, you know, take a chance on me and believe in me that I would change, change behavior. And, you know, unfortunately things happen like this far too often, but I completely agree. I mean, I think that this is very much cut worthy. Um, I mean, we're talking about the gambling situation with Nicholas Petit Frere in six games. And you hope you look at both of those two, two situations and know which one is far worse. Um, just as far as, you know, well, everything the Colts did. The board. The Colts cut both their guys that got busted. Now they were betting one of them was a practice squad player, and the other guy bet on the game. But this is way worse than a bet, right? Like at this point, you have to just you have to cut them. There is no reason to keep someone like this. This this per my big thing is that playing in the NFL, you have earned it. It is also a privilege to play in the NFL. You're you're playing at a really high level to get into you're one of the best athletes in the country to get even get on a NFL team in the world. And it's a privilege. And when you do something like this, which is pretty looks pretty concrete, like I mean, it's gonna be a pretty concrete open and shut case. I don't think you need to wait to training camp to do it. I think it should be done. Might as well just do it today. It's Friday, right? This news is out. Release a quick five minute state or five word statement and put it out there and be done with it. Like I, I want action. Cause I feel like sometimes the Tennessee Titans like to drag their feet and hope people forget. And I, I understand the Rashad Weaver situation is totally different. You know, it's, he said, she said conflicting reports. This one seems pretty concrete, but they they continued on with Rashad Weaver. They didn't really ever talk about it or or speak on it or anything like that. Other teams knew about it before Rashad Weaver got drafted. Mm -hmm. So that also goes back to my whole John Robinson thing that I think one of his biggest Achilles Hills was doing the investigation portion of scouting players. But this is this is a really bad time for the titans the last two days but you know you got to take a stand and you got to say uh, listen the running backs that are out there cream hunts out there who also has a checkered pass but there are other really good running backs still out ready to be signed off the street he is a very replaceable player for the tennessee titans at this stage in the game and they just need to go ahead and cut him because he does not deserve to play for this team in my opinion I mean, in my opinion, too, the, the situation is is quite is very disgusting. You know, reading reading the report that came out on all of this regarding Hassan Haskins, and I agree with you, Zach. I think something that I would like to see is, you know, Scoop Nashville reported it. They're pretty much spot on when they do things like this. Um, is that the Titans come out and they make a they make a statement today? We're heading into a holiday weekend. Do not let this fester over the holiday weekend without going ahead and saying anything. You know, one thing that I admire about teams is when they get out in front of something and they don't allow it to continue to uh, fiddle through the news cycle and people see it and wonder what's happening. You know, get out and say that, you know, we are just finding out about us about this situation, how it's completely unacceptable. Um, that's that's going to be my biggest thing I'm looking forward to is. There's a very big difference in the organizations that allow things to kind of happen and they sit back and they don't say anything. The Tennessee Titans need to make a statement before the week before this Friday is over. Well, that's how I felt about the Todd Downey DUI situation. I mean, they were pretty much in in a horrific manner gift wrapped a, a, a easy out to fire yep. Todd Downey. Yeah, a guy that nobody, no, none of your fans liked. That was well, not good at his fired. job. He ended up getting fired, but you could have done it right then and there, and it may not change the season or anything. But you could have gone ahead and done it. Instead, you kept a guy that had a DUI at high speed, 
that went went going crazy down the interstate. You kept him employed. You suffered through a losing streak and kept him employed all through the losing streak. And he, they had enough to fire him even before the DUI. But I don't like that kind of inaction myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a DUI like that or what Hassan has to do because it's the official uh, charge is aggravated assault by strangulation. Yeah, so, that's... you know, that's to me, this should be a pretty cut and dry kind of thing. And I, I, I don't think the let the people do their investigation or anything when it's this kind of concrete, evidently, that you just need to go ahead and get it done. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah, I agree. You know, on the on the Todd Downing situation, working the morning show, we had fans and listeners messaging us saying, hey, we see Todd Downing's uh, mugshot. And we were like, what? Like trying to do our own investigating. You know, I ended up calling uh, the the jail that he was at to confirm it right that morning. But I'm I'm completely on the same same uh, boat as you, Zach. I thought that it was first off far. I don't I don't even remember. Did they make a statement like in my head? I'm thinking no. It and took, then it Vrabel, took a little bit for my I think Mike Vrabel spoken for when Mike Vrabel spoke in front yes. of the media because see that. That would have happened on Friday. Yeah, because so, it was Thursday night football. I feel like Monday. Yeah, I feel like it took all the way to Monday for them to say anything about it. Yeah. So something like this, I'm completely on the same page as you. This needs to be cut and dry. There needs to be something said. I believe that this is you are cut from the team worthy. You know, you talk about the first off, you know, just looking at the football side of things. He's in his second, he's in his second year, didn't do much last year. And then to see something like this happen, the magnitude of this happen, you know, it is not worth it whatsoever. You mentioned there's other running backs out there. Where's Dontrell Hilliard? You know, see if a guy like that, um, you could add back into that running back room. But, and we have, um, you know, some chats on here and stuff. And, and, and a comment says, you know, two days in a row with off the field stuff, Raybold never has these types of issues. And I look at that and that stands out to me. I mean, what is this team, you know, we talk so much about the culture and how, you know, the locker room is so tight knit and how guys, you know, would quite literally run through a wall for Mike Vrabel. And it's a team that's a no bullshit team. And you don't do dumb shit to hurt the team, which I've already said twice on this podcast. Right. Right. Something Mike Vrabel preaches and says it and and doesn't tolerate things like this. So you know, seeing just, you know, the gambling issue with Nicholas Petit Frere and this Hassan Haskins domestic violence issue, it, it is concerning. It is concerning, especially with two guys who are in their second year with the team. Well, and you and you talk about what Vrabel said. He also said this is the most important time of the of the year is what mm-hmm. these players do with their time in the offseason, preparing for next year. That can all make a break you in the NFL and you have Obviously, NPF situation is totally different because it was probably a bet placed in a season. Yeah, but this one is like you get you got to be smarter and remove yourself from bad situations if there is a situation that needs to escalate. Someone liking an Instagram photo does not need an escalation of any sort. And there's if if you're a man, you need to de-escalate the situation, not escalate it anymore. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, you look at all these running backs that are out there right now. I mean, some of them don't really fit for the Tennessee Titans, but Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, J.D. McKissick, Rex Burkhead, who knows this Texan system, um, who can bring you a little bit of something different. You have Daryl Williams, Dontrell Hilliard, Dwayne Washington, Kenyon Drake, Marlon Mack. I mean, it's not a sexy group of names by any means. You got James Robinson out there. It's not... Not sexy, but they're all as good as Hassan Haskins and maybe brings you a little bit more in terms of speed and athleticism because Hassan Haskins was a little slow to, you know, hitting his um hitting the holes and everything. Well, and I mean the the reality is too, you know, you have Derek Henry, you just drafted Tajay Spears in the third round. You you clearly, you know, invested a top draft um pick on Tajay Spears, like I said, third round pick. You know, it's not like you need somebody who's going to be a superstar at this position. You need somebody who could maybe be a third down back for you in some situations. Um, 
And you've been able to find that production before, such as when Derrick Henry broke his foot two years ago. So, you know, as far as filling his position, not worried, but I'm, I'm on the same page. I think you cut him. It's unacceptable. All right. We we're, we're running up against it. So, but before, before we end the show, what is some Titans takes or some Ooh. even sports takes that have just driven you up the wall that you hear on the radio all the time that you just want to like scream and pull your hair out and yell at these, the people with these takes. Okay. First off, I love, I, I love this. Okay. Keyshawn Johnson had a take the other day on Keyshawn J. Will and Max that Derek, he didn't have Derek Henry as a top five running back in, in the NFL. He had Aaron Jones five Aaron Jones Sa- Saquon Barkley Nick Chubb um I'm forgetting who was two and then it was Josh Jacobs did not have Derrick Henry in top five I I went ballistic on the show last week I thought that was absolutely bizarre um you know we're in the dog days of the sports world right now so all of the you know Michael Jordan's versus LeBron's and everything and that LeBron couldn't play in in the 80s or whenever stop let's just stop lebron is quite literally a a human built superhero like everybody's like he's soft you couldn't do it no 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 lebron he would be fine i promise you he would be fine um the will levis ones anybody who has a take on him that just says he's an awful person and i'm like have you listened to one interview or do you know him or any take this is what really really gets me mad zach any take that somebody has on a person's character for just no reason other than the fact that whether they don't like them or they hate watch them or they're on the a team they hate and they say they're like a crappy person or they have an ego gets my blood boiling. I'm like, you don't know these people. You can't just sit on your microphone and be like, oh yeah, they're really arrogant. And I'm like, those are just a couple off the top of my head, but I swear the character ones, oof, those ones get me. That Derrick Henry one, I haven't heard. Uh, no. I think I saw you tweeting about it, but I haven't. I haven't actually. I didn't ever see the list. But that mm. is a ridiculous. I, Aaron Jones wouldn't even be. He'd be borderline top ten. But to have him in the top five over Derrick Henry is is insane to me. Derrick Henry is a beast. I heard one the other day. And maybe Pat McAfee misspoke or chose his words poorly in the moment. He didn't really own up to it. But he said that the reason that Justin Jefferson has been so good is because Dalvin Cook is on the team. That one blew my mind. I mean, and he tried to backtrack it uh, earlier today, but it's right there in the video. That's literally what he says. It's insane. So Keyshawn also had a top five wide receivers in the NFL and didn't have Justin Jefferson in it, which is kind of crazy as well uh the Pat McAfee one I mean I guess I could understand if you say hey they help each other's jobs because they spread out the offense but I mean we've all seen some of the catches that Justin Jefferson has made I mean this past year and I don't think Dalvin Cook had anything to do with that no. that is that is bizarre that is I, I, yeah that's bizarre <laughs> yeah it, it's it's just crazy to me but like it's just crazy to me that someone would diminish Justin Jefferson's accomplishments by saying the only reason he's considered elite or is a, I think the word elite gets thrown out too much. That's one of my big things is that I think elite yes. watered down because people call Dalvin Cook elite, and I don't think that he's he's maybe had one really really good season, but he's never been the best running back in the league in any of the seasons that he's been in. He's been very good. He's been a little bit less productive or a little bit less efficient, but I think it's insane that people just throw out the word elite so much. I, I completely agree with you on that one, Zach. I think he's a very efficient and a good running back, but here's the thing. If he was elite, he would still be on the Vikings. They understand that the production he gave them, yes, was was really good production in his, you know, he had back-to-back a thousand rushing yard seasons and, and, you know, I think around 50-ish touchdowns for them. It was he was really efficient for the Vikings. But I think that if there's anything that, you know, as Titans fans or in the national market, I mean, even Derrick Henry's production in the year he broke his foot, which he was about to smash 2000 yards if he didn't break his foot. Was able to be the production was able to be made up by two other guys. So 
you know, when you when you look at something like that, I I classify Derrick Henry. He's elite. He's 100% elite. But Dalvin Cook, I think he's efficient. I think he's a really good player. I think he can be a game-changing player. But the elite crew is very, very small. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, that will do it for us. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was one of the best episodes we've done. For, awesome. And I don't just say that when people come on, by the way. I say, oh, it's Hi, been Mike. fun. It's been good, you know. <laughs> I like you. Yeah, you're you're good. It's a good time. Now this was <laughs> this was one of the better shows I think that we've done. Um, it's it was long overdue, and we'll probably have you on. You know what? We we should have you on before the Saints game. And there yes, you, go. you should. You should have me That's on before the Saints game, and whenever the Vols uh, play the Kentucky. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, because I'm I you know I'm I'm not a UT fan, so I'm I'm good on that. So I love hating on UT. Thank uh, you. Yes. It's my least favorite fan base in all of sports. Uh, the golden era is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. The, you got to have like a golden trophy, I think, at least one golden trophy or to be banners. considered golden. Era. Yeah, or I mean, banners. it's just it's it's a little crazy, but that's a, a discussion for another day. <laughs> um, but that will do it for us. You tell everybody where they can find you. I know you can't say really what's next. Just, you know, be on the lookout and be, that kind of deal. Yes, yes, for sure. Definitely going to be involved in sports somehow. Nothing official at the moment. But you can find me on Twitter at Michelle K-N-E-Z-O-V because my last name is too long for a full Twitter handle. Um, and then it's the same uh, handle on Instagram as well. And I'm very active on both, you know, sharing content and different things like that. And maybe you'll see me back on here popping on football and other efforts. Yeah, for sure. Well, that will be it. You can follow me on Twitter at EffortsPod. My name is Zach Lyons. This has been Football Nerd Efforts, sponsored by Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And you have just been effed.